to the July 25th edition of the Fantasyland Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shorten, and we are on to the second part of the postseason winners and losers. So obviously, we're going to be, we spoke about the winners last week. We're going to be speaking about the, the losers this week. I, before I get into that, I did want to speak about a couple of the different trade rumors that we are seeing. There is going to be quite a bit of stuff going on. I think that it's going to be a pretty exciting offseason. There's going to be a lot of people trying to catch up to the Boston Big Three or Big Four or however you want to call it, whatever you think Blake Griffin is these days. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see. We're also maybe one or two seasons left with the dominance of a LeBron, a Steph, a KD, these sort of players who have really been dominating the league for such a long time. And we're going to see the young players really take off and start to be the new faces of the NBA. It's your Tatums, your Donchiches, your Trays, Bookers, those sort of guys. So there's a lot of people that are coming up that are either one year, two years left in their contracts, free agents who will likely be chasing championships, which is going to make for a very, very exciting offseason. So the first ones I wanted to discuss was Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. So obviously, BFFLs, uh, best friends for life. And they obviously, they played together in Toronto, both of which are now free agents as of the end of this year. There's rumors of them going to the Lakers, which would be ridiculously cool having a court of what LeBron, AD, DeRozan, and Lowry with absolute scraps for everything else. They would obviously need to take a bit of a hit whenever it comes to the money side. But hey, if DeRozan's chasing a championship and Lowry wants another championship, they want to play together. Not sure where Lowry's from, but DeRozan's definitely from um, from LA. So I would be... I don't necessarily think both of them are going to get there. I do reckon that both of them will end up on the same team though because they have got such a great relationship and I think it'll be really, really cool to see them play out the the rest of their career together. Siakam, which is absolutely surprising, is supposedly considered available across the league. So whether that is... I don't imagine that Nick Nurse or anybody at the Toronto back office have said anything, but given that... Toronto is not going to be making any waves come playoffs next year. They've got a team that is really hinging around what Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. I could be missing somebody else, but they're really not going to be making any waves, any splashes. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Siakam moved. Maybe he gets moved to the Warriors. I think that is definitely some place to watch, whether that is a first pick and a... Um, and a Wiggins, or because obviously Wiggins is Canadian, I think that'd be pretty cool, or a Wiseman and Wiggins. I don't know. I don't know how that's all going to work, but I, I think that'd be a pretty nice one to see. I think Siakam would be able to fill in a um, durant light role for the Warriors, which would be pretty cool. Um, the Raptors have also said that they've got some interest in Ben Simmons. So whether a trade forms that way, don't know, but I think that'll be... Uh, one to watch as well. I don't know how that would affect, assuming everything else stays the same and the Raptors maybe move a, what, Gary Trent Jr. And I can't even think of who else there would be. Um, 
Boucher, I don't really know. And they get Ben Simmons and maybe a pick. I don't, I don't know. Get Ben Simmons back. I don't know how Simmons would play alongside of somebody like um, Siakam, who is not a great shooter. I know his percentages are fine, but that's because he bullies his way in and uses his length. Van Vliet can shoot from deep, but his percentages are horrible. So I don't know how that would work moving forward. But again, something else to watch there. And then Bradley Beal. So the word out of his camp is that he is considering requesting a trade away from the Wizards. I think he's as good as gone. They're not winning a championship while he's still playing. It's just not going to happen. I think that they're going to go into full rebuild stage. And I think that it's going to be him and Westbrook gone as well. Westbrook was also floated around for the Lakers. I think everybody has been floated around for the Lakers because why not? Why not play with LeBron and try and get yourself a championship, a cheap little championship there. So we'll see how that one goes. I think Bill is as good as gone though. I think he, if the, I think the Warriors, if he can get good odds on them, I'm going to be putting money on them to win the championship because they are definitely going to be making some moves and, Steph, obviously, is going to be doing Steph things. Clay, who I'm going to speak about in a second, is going to be back. They've got um, Draymond Green. He's obviously still going to be around the Wiseman. Um, I think that either Wiseman or Wiggins will be gone. Oubre Jr., he's as good as gone. But they've also got the pick as well. So they're in a really good spot. It's just a matter of what moves they can put together. Beal, two the Warriors would also be very, very cool to see and it would make them very, very tough to beat. So we'll see. Bill's as good as gone. I wouldn't even be surprised to see him in the Knicks, to be fair. And then, um, yeah, Clay Thompson. So there's been a lot of things about Clay Thompson coming back, what that's going to mean for fantasy value, all that sort of stuff. I think that it's going to be a bit of a non-factor. Like Clay is a better real-life player than he is a fantasy player. He's a he's an absolutely terrific defender. He's a terrific wing defender and somebody who can really lock down a player. I That really hasn't translated that well to his fantasy side. Uh, his last full season, he averaged 1.1 steals and 0.6 blocks. He really is just a scorer. So 21.5 points, uh, 3.8 rebounds 2.4 assists 3.1 triples 47 and 82 in terms of percentages he doesn't really get to the line that often so that 82 doesn't really help but what i am going to be very curious to see is a lot of people are going to think that he's going to come back and just be amazing he's got a lot of name recognition and he's going to have a lot of name value but fantasy wise he is not somebody who you can't find elsewhere i I reckon that there's going to be a lot of people taking him in the 30 to 40 range. Way too rich for my blood, especially when you can get somebody like um, Middleton there, Chris Middleton there. You could get somebody like a um, Miles Bridges or Mikhail Bridges there. Don't be taking Miles Bridges there. Um, there will be some really good value when Clay comes off the board, and it's just silly. I would absolutely be taking somebody like a Buddy Heald. We'll give you the exact same stats pretty much. Um, Norman Powell, somebody who I absolutely love to draw comparisons with. Again, somebody who I think is going to be a hell of a lot better. Um, uh, Tobias Harris, Andrew Wiggins, all those sort of guys who will go two, three, maybe even four rounds later for some of them are going to give you the same output as Clay. So I wouldn't be running to the the, uh, draft rooms thinking that you're going to get Clay and 
you should be getting Clay. If he slips past 50, go for it. Good play to watch. Everybody likes watching the Warriors. They play a really good brand of basketball, but I wouldn't be too fixated on making sure that you get him because he's never been, historically, he's never been an amazing fantasy player. The other thing worth considering is he's going to be on a minute restriction. So the Warriors are not a team that needs to play for you know, October, November, December. They are a June side. As long as they make the playoffs, they believe that they're going to be able to win it. So similar to the Lakers in that regard, similar to the Clippers probably in that regard as well, probably Brooklyn as well. They, yeah, seeding is important. Yeah, home court advantage is really important. But one thing that they are going to be looking at is just getting their healthy. They will be managing... If they get a couple of wins early, there could be a little bit of management of Steph. I don't like to see that. There is absolutely going to be management of Clay for probably the first two months. He will play, and it's not going to be a JJJ sort of um, scenario that we had this year and frustrated the hell out of me, but you are probably going to see 25 minutes of Clay, not 30-odd minutes of Clay. So keep that in mind. He can turn it on. He can put up... Um, scores really quickly. I don't think he's going to be overly rusty when it comes to that. He's a natural shooter. So just take all that into consideration. I personally wouldn't be touching him until after 50 at the absolute earliest for mine. So on to, I suppose, the main portion of the podcast, which is the losers. So number one, he's got to be Ben Simmons. He Made no friends in the offseason, or sorry, in the postseason. He was pretty bad. You had Joel Embiid call him out. You had Dot call him out, which I really didn't like seeing. I thought that was really poor, and I thought um, unprofessional, given somebody of his sort of caliber. And he has, for me, made himself even more enticing this year. For a lot of people, he is going to be going down the the draft order, probably 10 or 15 picks. So where you could get him 20, you might be able to get him in the 30s now, which would be really cool. So his regular season starts 14 and a half points, seven and seven for boards and, and steal, sorry, boards and assists, 1.6 steals, game changer, 0.9 blocks, 56 and 61 or 4.9 shots per game. And then in the postseason, he had 11.9 points, which is, nearly two and a half down on his regular season. He's not a big scorer, so that's fine. You don't get him for his scoring. His rebounds and assists were much the same, a little bit up. His assists went from 6.9 to 8.8, so obviously up a couple there. Steals at 1.3, blocks at 0.8, 62% from the field. But the biggest thing and the biggest thing that everybody is going to remember Ben Simmons by, besides the pass to Matisse Thibault, which was just silly, is 34% free throw shooting of 6.1 shots per game. So Ben Simmons, whenever you draft him, you know that you're going to probably go into a bit of a free throw tank. I, in the offseason, I'll do a, a bit of working around to see how that works, whether or not you can still take him if you take a, a free throw heavy person early, like a James Harden, like a um, like a Trey Young, like a... Uh, Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, those guys who are automatic and see if you can offset that. I'll do a bit of work into that so you guys don't have to. But 34% of 6.1 shots is not going to be the same next year. He will 
maybe keep that volume, but he will absolutely grow that percentage. So, as I was saying, you don't take him for his ability to make free throws, nor do you take him for his ability to really make shots. What you're taking him for is elite assist numbers and elite steals numbers. Good on probably good on the blocks, good on the boards as well, decent from the field, low low um low numbers, so it doesn't make that big of a difference. But I won't be shying away from Ben Simmons, regardless of where he lands. I almost hope that he lands in a in a guard heavy offense because he's going to slip even further down draft boards because imagine he ended up somewhere like he won't, but imagine if he ended up somewhere like Phoenix, he is going to have an absolute field day because, or say he ended up in the Warriors because he, I honestly think his best position is a Draymond Green type person, facilitating the offense up the top and playing some really, really strong defense. I think if he gets onto a side that can do that for him, he will be incredibly good. If he stays with Philly, which he very well could, I will still be taking him because his ability to get four steals in a game, five steals in a game, six steals in a game is real. And you want players who come the end of your week, they're still playing in your a couple of stats down. You want to you wanna still have a, a shot. And with Ben Simmons, you absolutely have a shot. So I still like him. I would still be taking him in the oh, in the early 20s, depending on who I get earlier than that and depending who's around me. But I still like Ben Simmons. He hasn't done himself any favors, though, with his postseason play. Kawhi Leonard, somebody else who is absolutely worth talking about. Regular season stats of 24.5, 6.5, 5.2, 1.6 steals, half a block, and then he's got terrific shooting percentages, 51 and 89. Notably, he was playing back-to-backs, which is really, really good. Now, the postseason, postseason is Kawhi takes over games. He plays really well, so we don't need to talk about his postseason game. Um, We don't need to talk about his stats when it comes to that, although they were pretty well up across the board besides besides assists, which is fine. The biggest issue here is obviously he's gone down. He's... um, He's done his ACL or he's hurt his ACL at least and he's had surgery on that. Now, what they initially thought was going to be, you know, back at the start of the year um, and not really going to hamper too much. The update is now that it is end of Jan, start of February. Um, Suspicions are that it could be even longer. He could even potentially sit out the entire year because of the injury. So regardless of if it was a slight tear, or a full tear, he still has gone through the same ACL reconstructive procedure. And doctors are doing a bit of research before the podcast. Doctors have, who have been working the NBA for years, have pretty much said he, look, they're, they're using Derek Rose parallels and how long it took Derek Rose to get back to his full speed. Koala doesn't necessarily have the same sort of explosiveness or rely on that sort of explosiveness, but he has been injured throughout his entire career. So there's no reason why he's not going to take his time coming back. So I have wiped him completely off my um, off my draft board. 
he is not somebody I'm going to touch at all. I mean, falls after 100, yeah, I'll take him. But I'm not going to be – he's not going to be there. Um, and if he is, then I would be making sure that you haven't already got somebody who is injury-prone or already injured because you need to free up that IR if you've got one. But Kawhi Leonard should be somebody to just almost ignore this entire year. So, I mean, he's he's potentially going to re-sign with the Clippers. There is going to be a heap of suitors coming his way to throw a contract at him. He is the, still the sort of player that can get a max. He's probably at the last point of his career to get a max over four or five years. So, yeah, I regardless of his situation where he's playing or not playing, I don't want anything to do with Kawhi coming into next year, which obviously means that Paul George, like I spoke about last week, is in for a monster season. So if you trust his health, which I kind of do next year because I don't know if they are going to put more pieces around, then I'd be taking him. I, I, I like Paul George. Chris Dapazingas, Man, he was so disappointing in the offseason. So if we are looking at his regular season stats, we're looking at 20.1 points, just shy of nine rebounds, one and a half assists, half a steal, 1.3 blocks, 48 and 85. He did only play in uh, 43 of 72 games, which is obviously quite concerning. The other thing that is worth noting is that his – Playoff numbers, which were not very good at all, were 13.1 points, 5.4 rebounds, assist and a half, steal and a half, 0.7 blocks, 47 and 84. So percentages were fine. Percentages were the same, same I should say. But the the issue with Chris Stapps is that they've got a new coach coming in, Jason Kidd. He is a... He's a point guard. He likes to build around point guards. And he has said that, look, Chris Stapps and Lucas should be the perfect fit. But I don't necessarily think that that is. I think that's a lot of um, a lot of talk and a lot of coach talk because as soon as you say a player is gone, their value, you can pretty much cut it in half. He's got two and one in terms of contracts with 64 guaranteed, 36 million as his last player option, which is a couple of years from now. It's going to be tough to move, but I do think that he is going to be in a new home next year. Where I where I see him going into to next year's draft is somebody, again, who I am really, really concerned about taking. There is more and more players in the league who are stretch bigs who can block. Brooke Lopez, for one, he's going to be really cheap come this um, draft season. I will be absolutely taking some of that. I think that you can get some like JJJ, another player who I really like who is going to be able to stretch the floor and block shots. John Collins is another one who I'm going to speak about in a second. Uh, Miles Turner, like these players who aren't going to put up your 20, 22, 23 points per game, but are healthier and are going to be healthier. Um, There's no... There has always been an injury risk around Chris Stapps just because he's so lean, so light-framed. And for where you're going to need to draft him, which would be 20 to 30, maybe a little bit later in some leagues, you're going to struggle to... You're going to struggle to 
get him and have full faith. So I don't necessarily like Chris Stapps at that point next year. I think that unless he is in a new side, he is going to struggle to get the usage that he needs because they are going to obviously need to bring in some firepower to go around Luca. And I just I just don't have any faith. And I think that we saw while he's in Dallas, I think we saw what his true value is going to be, which is going to be 15, 16 points per game. He's never been a huge rebounder for someone who is so big. So we're probably looking at six and a half, seven boards a game, a block shot, and probably some bad shooting because as long as they stretch him out a bit more, pull him back, make him put up some more three-pointers, his shooting percentage is going to drop because he's, I think for his career to date, he's only like a 44% shooter, which is not amazing. John Collins, he is the next guy I've got up here. John Collins, regular season stats of 17.6, 7.5, 1.2 with half a steal and one block, 56 and 83. Now, I'm not going to go too much into John Collins because I think he's going to be in Atlanta. If they didn't go so deep into the offseason, then he'd probably be in a different side and he probably wouldn't be offered as much money to stay in Atlanta. But I think he is going to – they're going to try and run it back. Onyeka Okongwu has um, just gone for surgery, so they're short of a big man as well. I think he is somebody who is going to uh, get paid in the offseason somewhere in the region of you know one twenty-five over five potentially, or hundred over hundred over four, something like twenty-five million a year. Um, the issue that I've got with John Collins is he was a slow starter this year, um, and in the in the postseason he had thirteen point nine points. And didn't really do as much whenever it came to blocking shots. So he was almost just a a um, complimentary piece to Trey, as opposed to the superstar that we know that he should be. My concerns going into next year is whether or not they trust that he is going to put up numbers. I think they need to play more and more of him at the center spot, which will happen with Okongwu down, but um, it'll also hinge around a guy I'm speaking about in a little bit, Bogdan Bogdanovich. So um, John Collins didn't do himself any favors in the postseason, but somebody I still like going into next year. Andre Drummond, probably somebody that I don't need to talk too much about because I think everybody's seen what he's done. He is a perennial all-star with... Well, whenever he was with Detroit and then with, uh, I don't think he was an all-star with Cleveland this year, but 17.5 points, 13.5 rebounds, 1.6 deals, 1.2 blocks, uh, 47 and 60 on 29 minutes. Those are great Andre Drummond numbers and what you expect from Andre Drummond whenever you draft him. Now, whenever he got moved to LA uh, on a veteran's minimum, he was down to 25 minutes, 11.9 points, 10 boards, 1.1 seals, 1.9 blocks, sorry, 1.1 blocks. So down across the board and then into the postseason, 21 points, sorry, 21 minutes, 9 points, 11 boards, uh, 0.8 and 0.6 seals and blocks, 60 and 70% uh, shooting. So he's a free agent now. He was on $500,000 a year, which is stupid money for an NBA player. Um, It's a veteran's minimum. So, um, he is probably going to try and get paid more in the offseason. So we'll try and get paid one last time in the offseason. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, given that he is a free agent. There is the chance that there could be a Hassan Whiteside type of situation where he's not 
a great defender as such. He's just long and plays the lanes really well, so he gets the he gets the ball. Uh, he's able to put up those steals numbers, but not a great positional defender or one-on-one defender like you would see in somebody like DeAndre Ayton. Doesn't put up big block numbers, but a good positional defender. So I am a little bit concerned. I don't think he's going to be at the Lakers, but if he, unless he is somewhere and gets a paid a bit of money to be there, I am very worried that he's going to struggle to to replicate the numbers that he did in Cleveland um, and the numbers that he did for his entire career up to now, which is 18, 14, and you know, 1.6, 1.5 sort of stuff. So I'm a little bit concerned. It'll purely depend on the surroundings that he's in. I think if he can end somewhere like a Toronto where he would be the, the guy at center, obviously uh, um, hurt Boucher there, but I think that that would be a really, really good landing spot for him. You need him to be in a, pretty much the only guy, the only guy in the in the center slot, the only guy who is going to pretty much get near it. Um, so that's that's what you, it's what you hope for Andre Drummond. So hopefully we can see him in that sort of a situation. Dennis Schroeder had a good year, had a decent playoffs, but shot horribly. Wants $120 million over four years, something stupid like that. Nobody's going to give that to him. He's not a starter anymore. And he will be a Cameron Payne type person, just some impact off the bench, a bit of energy, a bit of spark, a um, bit of grit, but he's not going to get anywhere near that sort of money or he shouldn't get anywhere near that sort of money. But as long as he is getting minutes, I do like him. Just be concerned about the um, the shooting percentage there. And then finally, I think I'm going to skip over Bogdan Bogdanovich because I think that he's going to be moved anyway, but finally, the person I'm looking at um, who has dropped a hell of a lot in terms of value is Yusuf Nurkic. He is somebody who is absolutely primed for a bounce back year and for a uh, a sleeper type year. Regular season numbers of 11.5, 9, 3.5, passes really well for a big man, uh, 1 and 1. Postseason, 13.2, 10 and 2.7. The big issue here was just him being able to stay on the court. Like he, throughout the year, this year he averaged 4.9 uh, fouls per game, which obviously is going to limit your ability to to play. And then in the playoffs, he averaged five fouls per game, which yeah, you can't win basketball whenever your best defender and your starting center isn't even on the court. So I Really, really, really think that he has hurt himself this year, both regular season and postseason in terms of average draft position coming up to, to the 2021-22 season. But my God, he is primed for a bounce back year. Not somebody who jumps off the page in terms of numbers, but somebody who does it across the board with good percentages and passes well for a big man. So that's pretty much that. Um, I will. I do have a note here to go through the Boston big men. And the trade with um with OKC to get Moses Brown in, which has obviously hurt Robert Williams and hurt Hearts all over the fantasy map everywhere. But I will do that on a later podcast. Um, thank you to everybody who has recently followed it on Insta and on Twitter. Um, really do appreciate that. If you've got any ideas for the podcast, do let me know. Looking to do a couple of collabs um, over the coming weeks. So hit us up on the socials. But until next time, do not forget to rate and subscribe.